Happy Hanukkah, everybody. I thought this was going to be part of the leftover candy special. There are going to be three episodes, unfortunately, due to some schedule conflicts. And unfortunately, Todd, Kendra, Ned could not join me tonight. Like the top 31, this is a very, very, very last-minute idea. And the three others for the um, that I want to do for Hanukkah that are now going to be part of a leftover candy special that'll come out in the next week or so will be Waxwork, Night of the Living Dead, Darkest Dawn, and Bubba the Redneck Werewolf. I'm hoping Kendra Edward and Todd can join me on one of those. In the meantime, uh, this is going to be a short episode, but with my top 31 picks of all time, there are two that are going to be cemented for all of eternity for me. And those... I could have put on the top 31 list, but they are in a class by themselves. And I grew up watching them, and they still hold up to this day. It doesn't matter how old you are. They really appreciate the spirit of the season. And Halloween is my favorite holiday. I know you don't get a day off, and it's not a bank holiday, but it's a great holiday. Candy, ghost stories, horror movies... Oh, look at this. My dog just walked in. She knows. She also is a fan of Halloween. Say hi. And her name is Coco. And she's a chocolate conquer spaniel. Yes, you are. And you look like a chocolate cake. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're a good arf, Coco. But anyway, out of all the holidays, this one is my favorite. I'm glad it's only once a year, although... Yeah, it's one of those, be careful what you wish for, but... Uh, Coco's just rubbing her nose up against... You know, she wants to be part of this. Alright, Coco, Coco, sweetheart. Come here. Good girl. Okay. Anyway, Kendra and Edward could not join me tonight, as well as Todd. They all got caught up with some personal stuff, as well as I. We should get back on track in about a week or so for our um, Don Booth retro series. But, hey, Coco, come here, girl. Come here, sweetheart. Come here. You're a good dog. You're a very good dog. Yeah, you want to join in, Coco? Yeah, you join in. Okay. But speaking of pets, uh, Kendra and Edward... Oh, she's leaving the room. Yeah, she doesn't want to hear this. She doesn't take uh, passing too well. And unfortunately, Kendra and Edward lost one of their many cats that they've owned over the years. Uh, I want to make sure I'm getting the name correctly because I think it's a Dragon Ball Z reference, uh, Vegeta. They did announce on the Facebook page that the cat passed away, so I'm dedicating this segment to their cat, Vegeta. I'm just asking for a short moment of silence out of respect for their lost member of the family. Okay, thanks. And Kendra and Edward, I know this is not easy losing a pet or 
So thoughts and prayers go out to you. I know this this definitely was not an easy one. So it should come to no surprise that I am going to be reviewing as part of my number one top 31 Halloween faves, guilty pleasures, whatever it may be. I said in that top list that there was a tie. Garfield's Halloween Adventure is part of that tie. It aired October 30th, 1985. I know that it's had a DVD release, and I think it was just a Walmart exclusive, or there was just a bonus feature that was just a Walmart exclusive. But there is a 64-page book, which... Uh, it, it was in comic book format. Garfield's is a started off as a Sunday newspaper and weekday newspaper strip. So there were these rectangular books, and there were I think close to twenty five of the books, and there were these treasuries that had the Sunday strips. But there were several Garfield specials. Here comes Garfield, uh, Night on the Town, Garfield in Paradise, the. Halloween, Christmas, and Thanksgiving. Babes and Bullets, Get a Life. And I forget what the other one was. But there was one where Odie and Garfield were using the imagination. So. And of course, there was a CBS Saturday morning show that aired for several years. But the Halloween special kind of makes sense because Garfield is short and round and he's black and orange like a pumpkin. But what I really appreciate about this episode is that since Garfield, if you don't know what Garfield is, this is not the podcast to go into the entire history. All you need to know, the the cliff notes, Garfield is a cat. I think he's supposed to be a tabby, but he's short and round and orange and black. He has big round eyes and he doesn't talk, but we, the audience, can hear his thoughts. And every now and then, his lips will move. And and either he'll limp to music, or there'll be a dream sequence where he will talk, and his lips, and it's very bizarre, and the late, great Renzo Music voiced him until he passed, and I think Frank Welker took over. There was a Cartoon Network series that's not my favorite. It doesn't have the punch as the previous 80s and 90s Garfield work by Jim Davis gave us. But this is a great special, and I highly recommend anybody or anyone who's a fan of classic hand-drawn animation or the Sunday Funnies to really check out the original Garfield specials and the Garfield and Friends show. And as I said, I'm not a fan of the 21st Century Cartoon Network Garfield CGI stuff. And the less we talk about the Garfield movies that came out with Bill Murray, the better. So, with that said, let's get into why Garfield's Halloween Adventure is my number one pick and why it's tying with another Halloween favorite. So, this opens up with Garfield. He is woken up by a character that was also voiced by Greg Berger, and Greg Berger voices Odie he voiced Orson on Garfield and Friends and Roy. You can pretty much. He's also voiced Grimlock in Transformers. But Binky the Clown was one of the more annoying characters in animation history. 
It's just this loudmouth clown that would always, you know, start going, Hey, kids! To that effect. And apparently Garfield fell asleep with the TV on, and Binky wakes him up, and Garfield's annoyed, but before Garfield tries to find his remote to turn off the TV, Binky is trying to tell the kids that, you know, it's Halloween tonight and you're going to be getting free candy. Good morning, viewers. Welcome to another broadcast day at WBOR, the easy viewing, easy listening station. We begin our broadcast with the Binky the Clown Show. Have a nice day. appreciate about the opening it kind of reminds me of the famous Japanese short Bambi meets Godzilla where you have all that you know the classical music and you have the butterflies flying around Bambi and at the end Godzilla just stomps on him and crushes him to death that's for some reason reminds me of how Binky wakes up Garfield and scares the crap out of him there was also a couple songs that were, I guess, written and sung by Will Rowles. I'm not... I know of him. I'm not a huge fan. But I know he was behind a lot of the musical segments and the Garfield specials, especially Babes and Bullets. I did like that theme opening. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But um, I don't have many of Will Rowles' songs, so... I guess he's more soul and jazz. I'm not too sure. So, But anyway, Garfield pretty much finds out that it's going to be Halloween, so he decides... And it's a, and Lorenzo Music apparently in an interview stated that this was his favorite because he got to say candy numerous times. Like a, like a little kid, he was like, candy, 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 candy. Like he couldn't help himself. And it is a great line read by Garfield. It will also make a great, you know, I guess, ringtone or an alert tone on your phone. Pretty much Garfield enlists the help of his canine in crime, Odie, which is this yellow dog with a long neck and drolls a lot and is always happy. Garfield figures that if he brings Odie along with him, then he'll get twice the candy. So, there is a musical segment that doesn't really jive too well for the story, you know. Usually this is a big thing about characters breaking out into song for some reason, which I could take it or leave it. 
And unfortunately for this song, I could leave it. It's pretty much Garfield going up to the attic and rummaging through any knickknacks or churros to find out what he can dress up as. And the song is okay, but it just feels like it was written in five seconds. It's a, what should I be? In the book, he just, like, it's a montage where he walks off screen and puts on, you know, any costume that you'd wear in the 80s. The clown, the, uh, the alien, vampire. But he decides that he's going to dress as a pirate called Orange Beard. And he walks around the peg leg in a Captain Crunch hat that has a skull on it. And he has this wooden sword, and Odie is his first mate with an earring and uh, the bent, you know, the bandana on his head. He's called Odie the Stupid, and it's a great moment where Odie's wearing like all four of the peg legs, and you know, realize he's worn too many. So Garfield calls him Odie the Stupid. Rest of it, they pretty much just go trick or treating. There's another song with Lou Rawls where Odie is scared because. He doesn't know that their kids trick-or-treating. It's kind of like that Family Guy episode where it's Stewie Griffin's first Halloween. He doesn't understand that kids are dressing up and trick-or-treating. And he takes out a laser gun and he starts shooting at the kids if it's doing it off-screen. And then Brian the dog has to go in and calm down and tell him, like, no, it's kids that are trick-or-treating. It's Halloween. But for Garfield, they have this song that's also sung by Lil Rawls. It's I'm Not a Scaredy Cat. It's not a bad song. It's only maybe about a minute or so. It's another little montage where they go, like, from kid to kid. And all of a sudden, it's like, every time they try to remove a mask from a goblin, it really is a goblin. Or they take a sheet off of a ghost, and it really is a ghost. It's not a bad song. It's okay. Pretty much, they go on a montage collecting candy. There's a great line read, too, that I love, where Garfield, he's... He just knocks on the door, and he goes, Give me... And the woman just like, gives him a piece of candy, and he takes out his wooden sword, and he says something like, if he thinks you're being, you know, too loose on your candy, give me more, or I'll rearrange your drapes. And she just starts tossing mounds of candy. And we see a montage where they're tossing candy into these giant sacks, and Garfield will open up his mouth, and the candy will come in. I remember that being, like, one of the um, advertisements for the special. And then Garfield has this epiphany where he'll go to a lake across the way, found a rowboat, and there are more houses where you get candy. However, the current is too strong, and when Garfield tells Odie to drop the oars, because he Odie doesn't understand sailor talk, he literally throws the oars into the river, and they end up flying away to another island, where apparently there is this old man that was a cabin boy to pirates for a hundred years ago that they buried a treasure and their ghosts come every Halloween to just dig up the treasure and admire it or whatever. The story is pretty scary for Halloween standards, but it works. And I guess, you know, it's a Halloween adventure. You gotta have something. You just can't have Garfield trick-or-treating and, you know, not have some sort of scare. And it's a great moment, too, I have to say. And then pretty much... Garfield turns his head and he wants to leave the island and the cabin boy that's now a man has disappeared but apparently he's taken their rowboat and rowed away with it and it's midnight and they try to hide in the house and the pirate ghosts come and Garfield and Odie hide in this cabinet but Odie sneezes 
you have a great comical effect, like a Lauren Hardy type of effect, where they try to, you know, nonchalantly close the door, but the pirate girls see them. They run off into the night. They they go back into the river and they swim God knows where, find the rowboat, put the candy there, and they go back home. And Garfield rewards Odie for. You know, sticking with him, and also when they go into the river, Garfield cannot swim, and Odie saves Garfield's life because of this, so Garfield decides to give Odie half the candy. And then Garfield's wired, but he decides that he's going to, you know, watch TV. But the Cabin Boy now apparently is hosting this pirate show, and Garfield now is tired, he goes to bed. That's pretty much the story. I could add more sound... You know, segments, vignettes, vignettes in here, but it's 22 minutes, and you can definitely find this on DVD or YouTube. That's pretty much a summary. But what do I think of the entire, and why is this my number one as a whole? Well, for starters, I really enjoy the opening because it's Garfield... Most of the times, yeah, if you're familiar with the character, he's fat and lazy and self-satisfied, and you just listen to his thoughts and see his facial expressions, and he sleeps most of the day, and he eats most of the day, and it's not, you know, it's one half dozen of the other. But what I like about this one, he acts like a little kid, and he's really excited that he's going to get free candy, and I do love the segments where he tries to dress up, even though I'm not too thrilled with that song, What Should I Be?, and I do love I'm Not a Scaredy Cat montage moment where he's just like trying to take the masks off of the goblins and the ghosts and they turn out to be real and he and Odie run around in a circle and run off to, you know, the next segment. But what I also appreciate about this one is the pirate ghost story that it is kind of creepy and it would probably scare anyone under six the way that it's told. And, but the way that the ghosts are animated and you have this jazz riff coming in when they show up and they're chasing Garfield and Odie off the island, it's just nothing terrifying. And for a 1985 cartoon, I really can't complain too much about it. Again, this is not a heavy-duty review. It's just why it's my number one favorite Halloween special. Or it's tied with... Another fave, which I'll, we'll talk about right after this. Canadian Aquatic Auctions. The place to be if you are into anything aquatic. Nelson Fletcher, owner and operator, has years of experience and wants to help you better achieve your aquatic needs and goals. So, if you are an aquatic hobbyist and enthusiast, please visit Canadian Aquatic Auctions today. Their public auctions provide a venue to remarket all aquatic-related products, services, and equipment. If you are just starting out in the hobby, well, the site has a chat room where you can converse with other aquatic hobbyists like yourself. Canadian Aquatic Auctions is the eBay of everything aquatic. So visit Nelson at his site at www.com aquariumauctions.ca and go check out his Facebook page as well at www.facebook.com slash Canadian Aquatic Sales. 
together we can build lasting relationships that are based on listening and servicing your needs in a professional environment. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the Geek Revolution. Want to know more? come to no surprise, you'd be a blockhead. I know a lot of you don't know me, but it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, and of all the Charlie Brown specials that aired over the years, this one is the most underrated or the Charlie Brownest. I don't like the Thanksgiving one because it's just Peppermint Patty that invites herself over the Charlie Brown's house for Thanksgiving dinner for some reason. And Snoopy cooks it, and it just makes no sense. Or any sense. The Easter Beagle, I have... I don't know, you know, it. I think it did air. I know it was a book, but I, I don't remember if it was made into a TV special. It kind of comes and goes. And as for the Charlie Brown Christmas special... I have mixed feelings on that one. I understand the point of it then. I understand the point of it now. That Charlie Brown wants to know what the true meaning of Christmas is. That it just can't be about getting presents and material possessions. And it's... You know, we have old Tannenbaum. Which... And Linus and Lucy. And... Those are great musical numbers. Please don't get me wrong. Or Christmas time is here. Please don't... You know... But there's just something about It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown that always puts a smile to my face. Even though it's a harsh one. And I do love the fact that it has its kids acting like kids. Charles Schultz wanted children to voice the characters. He didn't want adults doing children voices. He wanted that authenticity to it. Which is fine. I think this was also the special that the actor who voiced Sally lost her baby tooth while recording her lines and they had to stop and take her to the dentist if I'm not too it was either this one or the Christmas special but what is this one about it's also it's a very very simple one it's pretty much not your typical Halloween special and that's why it makes it so unique it's about Linus Van Pelt, who believes in his Halloween version of Santa Claus, which is the Great Pumpkin. 
We don't know what it looks like. All we know is that it rises from the pumpkin patch and it delivers toys to all the good boys and girls. And Linus believes in it more than what Charlie Brown thinks is the man in the red suit that goes ho, ho, ho. And I admire that because this is a 1960s special and I don't think anybody has ever cosplayed as the Great Pumpkin. Nobody knows what it's supposed to be. I think there was an artist version where it was a jack-o'-lantern with a ghost sheet for a body, but I'm not too sure. Linus, of course, just writes letters and always believes in this. And then there's a subplot where Charlie Brown got invited to uh, Violet's Halloween party, but apparently there was two lists, one to invite, one not to invite, and he gets insulted and hurt because he was on the do not invite, but it got mixed up and he got invited anyway. But I do love that dance of joy that he gets. They, they really crap on Charlie Brown, and this one is no exception. For some reason, while trying to make a ghost costume, he cuts the hole one too many, and he's got multiple black holes in his ghost costume. And he goes trick-or-treating with the gang, and everybody keeps taking rocks and throwing them you know, in his trick-or-treat bag, and only gets us a bag full of rocks for some reason. It's a great line read, and, and it's carried on over the years where, you know, kids trick-or-treat. And you can actually, I haven't noticed it until now, but now that I watch it, and by now I would say for the past five years or so, I pay attention very closely to this. Yeah, I can see when the kids are asking for candy, they're throwing candy, and you can see that one person is throwing a rock in Charlie Brown's back. Like, they kind of know that it's Charlie Brown. I don't know who's collecting rocks and why everybody's throwing rocks in his back, and I don't know what kind of childhood Charles Schultz had as a kid, but that is the most bizarre things that he's getting rocks. But I think over the years, I mean, there's rock candy, you can get popcorn balls, and, you know, you could, you know, paint it gray and, and put sugar coating on it or whatever. There's like this dirt road ice cream, like a malted milk type of thing. But, yeah, and, and then, of course, there's another subplot where Snoopy is the World War One flying ace, and he uses Doghouse, you know, the sop with camel, to hunt down the Red Baron. He thinks he's, you know, in World War One. It's bizarre. I'll give it that. And, you know, you have Linus in the pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin. And Sally, who's always had a crush on Linus and calls him the sweet baboo, Waits in the pumpkin patch with Linus, only to be disappointed to have Snoopy show up and Sally really tearing into Linus with, with one of the great line reads ever, ending it with You Owe Me Restitution. Only Sally would know those words. So, why is it also my favorite? Because it's simple. It's simple, it's straight and to the point. No pop culture references. Just kids acting like kids. That's pretty much it. It's got a great soundtrack. I mean, you have Schroeder on his piano playing on It's a Long Way to Tipperary. And I forget what the other two songs that he plays that um, on his toy piano. It's not bad for a toy piano, either. The moments where Snoopy is pretending to be the World War Flying Ace, you know, going... You know, have, having the recycled animation, he's trying to shoot down the Red Baron and pretending he's, you know, 
trapped behind enemy lines in France. Also, some interesting sound effects, especially when Linus faints when he thinks, you know, Snoopy is the Great Pumpkin. All in all, these two are my number one, and they will always be cemented in time. I mean, I could, I want to do a it really in-depth review, and I was hoping to do an in-depth review, but when you have to do it solo, it sucks. And I think I have to suck it up, and I'm not going to take anything away. I understand with you know, Kendra and Edward and Todd, they get busy at times, and I understand we all, you know, I, I come up with these ideas at the last minute, but I would really like to have a conversation with them on this one. I'll probably go into a little bit more detail next year with them. But in the meantime, as much as I want to do heavy-duty deep reviews, these two were my favorite because when you have other cartoon shows that are so concerned about pop culture references and toilet humor and trying to be in your face and, and, and you know trying to act like your dad who knows rap but he really doesn't I really appreciate how the Garfield Halloween special and the Charlie Brown specials were written they feel that they're meant for kids. They never insult the intelligence. And they're very easy to understand stories for any ages. And there's nothing complex about it. It's straight, sweet, and to the point. And it's kind of harsh at times, especially for Charlie Brown and Linus. I feel bad. Charlie Brown was invited to a party that he really wasn't supposed to go to. But he sucks it up and has a good time regardless, even though... There's a moment where Violet and Lucy are asking him to model and they're drawing on the back of his head to, you know, because they're trying to carve a good jack-o'-lantern. It's kind of sad. Everybody's always crapping on him, throwing right, and, and he just sucks it up. I feel bad for... And Linus is still determined, even though he won't meet the Great Pumpkin this year, maybe it'll be next year. And, and Lucy, being a good sister, still asks for neighbors to give an extra piece of candy for him. So, all in all, it's not terrible. And for those reasons, that's why they're memorable, and that's why they'll always remain memorable. I know that after the Charlie Brown Halloween or Christmas special, they'll throw in a Toy Story or a Prep and Landing. It's not just that they're CGI. I feel that the writing gets cramped. I, I, I would like to get into Prep and Landing. I heard some good things about them. I don't know if it's for everyone, I don't know if it's for me, but maybe one day I will sit down and, and, and see what the big deal about Prep and Landing is. And as for the Toy Story segments, I love the movies, but I don't know. I, I feel that the specials are just made for a quick buck. I've tried to sit through them, they don't work as well as much as I hoped. And I think even for a very short while, they had a Shrek one and a... Uh, Monsters vs. Aliens one, and it didn't work out too well either. And I know they also tried one for um, Madagascar and some of the other DreamWorks animated, but they're not those holiday specials don't hold a candle to what Charlie Brown and Garfield are is was. So again, thirty-one minutes is what I was trying to do. If you get 
the point, but I'm going further than that. All I'm going to say is, is that I'm sorry that Kendra, Edward, and Todd once again could not make it. I'm sorry this was a very last idea. And for the listeners, I'm sorry once again this wasn't the heavy dutiest of reviews. But some personal stuff again, and you know we'll get back on track when we're all together for the Don Bluth segments. As well as Harry Potter and The Godfather. Until then, you can find shows with us in the archives over on SoundCloud.com, Hunnic Outcast, and you can listen to Hunnic Queen 2015 of last year where we discussed Ash vs. Evil Dead, the pilot episode, Nightmare on Elm Streets 1 and 2, as well as we interviewed a few cosplayers and some combo artists, especially the ones for wages down below. And this year you can listen to our review of Return of the Living Dead and my solo of Tales from the Crypt, Best, Worst, and my Top 31 Halloween favorites. Facebook.com, Hunnic Outcasts. The group page is The Hunnic Outcasts, as well as The Podcasters Cafe, and Twitter at Hunnic Outcasts, HunnicFeedback at gmail.com. So, as we come to a close, Happy Halloween and... What is life without a good scare? Mmm, great coffee. Mmm. Hey. Hmm? Chad, who's that strange, somber man on the cover of that book you're reading? Oh, that's H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, I've heard of him, but I never really got into his stuff. It's kind of strange and hard to read. No, I used to think that, too. But that all changed when I started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. What's that? The H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast is a weekly podcast. Tell me more. Well, these two really smart and hilarious guys give a synopsis of the story, then they talk about its background, the critical views, and what it says about the author. Well, where can I listen? Well, let me tell you, Chris. You can go to hppodcraft.com or, heck, just subscribe through iTunes. It's that easy. Oh, Chad, I'm so excited. Now I can listen to this podcast and pretend to all my snooty friends that I actually read and understand H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, that's what I do. H.P. <laughs> <laughs> oh, HPPodcraft.com Weekends are a good time to listen to podcasts. Unless the weekend begins with Friday the 13th. Return to Camp Blood is Jason's podcast, and no one will be left alive. Join Chris, E, Eric, and Oz as they return to Camp Blood every Friday night at CampBloodPodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen, or you'll find yourself the latest victim of Jason's wrath. My name's James. For six years, I was a garbage can druggie. I would do any kind of drug I would get my hands on. But here at Teen Challenge, I've walked away from that drug lifestyle for good. If you know an adult or teenager who is struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge is there to help. Please, don't wait. Call us today at 417-862-6969 or reach us on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. Another Halloween has come and gone. Yes, Charlie Brown. I don't understand it. I went trick-or-treating and all I got was a bag full of rocks. I suppose you spend all night in the pumpkin patch. And the great pumpkin never showed up? Nope. Well, don't take it too hard, Linus. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, too. Stupid! What do you mean, stupid? Just 